Among the shacks rooted deep along the Muskingum River's wide mouth banks, the ghosts of ancestral friend and foe opened their waiting arms and three comrades, brothers as it were, Hector, Manny, and Dones, arrive at the gate, slip their tickets to the boatmen, and give voice to what shackled thoughts otherwise are regurgitated with morning coffee and toast. The moon dips big and bright on the rockabye water. They are fishing, as all men have always fished, as a diversion to fend off what lurks out in the cold void. Here's the deal, man. We got these zombies all over the fucking country, groping in every jockstrap and skirt. Not some new kind of VD. It's called our government, man. Oh, yeah. That was my second choice. The government? What is it? They take your money. They finance their own investments. They start wars that nobody but rednecks and Christian fundamentalists want. Granted, the intersection of those two groups accounts for nearly half of our population. They build roads and used to, a long time ago, fund these places called public schools. Can you say hello again, separate but equal? They ship off our jobs to China and then have the gall to tell us we're better off because of it. Hold those bed rails and squeal like a pig. Fuck. Me. Oh, man. Easy on that metaphors. He uses that one a lot. Wonder what that means. So then you got this other thing called organized crime. Let's say you gotta pay Mr. Rigatoni X amount of dollars a year so you can sell your tomatoes on the corner. But at least Mr. Rigatoni, because he has a personal stake in your success, gives you some protection when the fucker down the street wants to set up his own tomato stand and possibly run you out of business. Now let me ask you, who's gonna provide you more tangible services for the money you gotta shell out? The Dago, man, but of course. The country's too big, man. Nobody ever thought it was gonna get this big. Tribes. We were meant to live in tribes. You may be right, bro. Yeah. I mean, Machiavelli would be proud of Congress, wouldn't he? I won't even mention that a-hole tripe. Like, he was only doing satire, man. Nobody ought to take the dude seriously. I know, man, but they do take him seriously, don't The whole corrupt system will get an A-plus for emulation. Look, it's out of control. The social contract ain't no more. It's been stretched and stretched. Government sailing off to yonder green pastures, a phantasmagorical wealth far, far from the common man. They're out of touch, and the proletariat feel as though everything's gonna work out fine. Like the Olympus chicanery in D.C. still has a pulse on what's happening down in the trenches. But it don't. It don't, as a body whole, have but that one hand in its pants. Now the thing is terrorism. Everything ties back to terrorism. Anybody doing anything that doesn't fall in line with Republican policy has somehow got ties to terrorism. Any disgruntled Mexican picking tomatoes 14 hours a day, any half-starved Syrian refugee, anybody in the neighborhood selling an ounce of pot, anybody with the courage to stand up and make one peep against the rise of neo-fascism in this country and those billionaire gray-haired amoebas, they're all potential terrorist cells. Give me a break. Wake up, people. Read your history books. Shouldn't that bother you? No, man, it don't bother me, because I'm an unemployed white-collar dog working at Bungholes or Us. I got 20 years of savings stashed away in internet stocks that are now worth 10 cents on the dollar. Turn the knob on that treadmill up to high. I'm a farmer selling milk at half price of what I could be getting because the government keeps the prices artificially low. Then turns around and pays me for not planting on my thousand acres across the road while hungry folks in the Congo are licking rectal thermometers from garbage bins. I'm a 25-year-old high school grad chopping chicken at Chipotle's. I'm up to my armpits in debt but I got myself a fine new six-foot flat-screen TV, a brand new leather sectional sofa, and a thousand and one search-and-destroy video games that has nothing to do with my anger and aggression issues. This ain't the land of the free. It's a land of the buy, buy, buy. 
It don't bother me because I didn't see it. I don't hear it. Walk on by, Neil Gestapo, to door number two. And I'll lay low, keep quiet, buy your war bonds, even turn in my neighbor if you'll just leave little old me alone. Nah, man, it don't bother me because I believe in the system we call the United States of America. Like we own the fourth quarter, no matter what the score is. From slavery to Jim Crow to McCarthy to Vietnam to Watergate to Iran-Contra to Cigargate to the latest Russian tripe romance. We back our way out of the deepest tar pits ever self-inflicted by man. Now, the only problem with such a faith is there's this prerequisite that the people be a watchdog for it all. That the people are vigilant, are demanding of their elected officials. Man, that's ancient history. Things got too comfy. We don't want to know who's goose-stepping beyond those shutters. We need a good revolution to shake things up. Tripe is a good thing. You don't mean that. Like hell I don't. I'm talking about sacrificing the arm to save the body, you dig? I'm saying what I'm trying in my somewhat modest state of inebriation to tell you is, if something don't wake us up soon, if something don't happen to him, Mr. Biggie Size It, Couch Potato, Illiterate Fantasy Football Slug, if he don't wake up real soon, this country is history. You hear what I'm saying? You want to put a smiley face on that? History. The battle for America's 1776 redux has already begun. It's going to get ugly. People are going to get hurt. People are gonna die, but there ain't no way around it. White power against the rising tide of true democracy, democracy as it should have been in the beginning, is in its biggest crisis, its most dangerous chapter. And those that want to stick their heads in the sand are in for one big fat surprise when the stormtroopers come a knocking and ram a bazooka up their ass. He's right, but don't say it outside of this circle. Big Brother is now up and running. What do you think newscasts are for, man? To scare you shitless. A public perpetually under the threat of attack is a public willing to perpetually fight. Some foreign enemy or each other. Terrorism is peace. They can read your emails, no questions asked. Terrorism is peace. Obtain records of what books you read at your friendly neighborhood library. See what websites you visit at 2 a.m. Terrorism is peace. They can haul you off to places unknown with charges unspecified and tell no one. Terrorism is peace. Satellites can determine the color of your wife's pubic hair, man. They can see through walls. Political correctness evolves into the Ministry of Truth. Papier-mâché nationalism becomes a feel-good drug of a lost generation. The false hope of non-existent new jobs is a carrot that'll keep Johnny close to his gun and hungry for blood. Terrorism is peace. We need another George Washington on horseback with the Lincoln in the back office. Thomas Paine on the street corner selling the truth. And Martin Luther King blocking the streets with the power of a million men. Ten million courageous men. That's what we need. Mary Green stood in the bathroom doorway, watching as Jerry Riggs stood in four-day-old underwear, face jutted toward the mirror. Slowly, cautiously, as though he had never before performed the task, he attempted to shave his face. She wondered how it had come so far, so fast, why so few had jumped from the train, and how this man could do anything for anybody. It was only a hearing, she reminded herself, not a trial. You don't have to go. No? Stay here. We can watch another Alfred Hitchcock movie. We could do that. Haven't we seen them all? There are tons we haven't seen. I can make a roast. I'll make mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. 
We'll go for a ride. Get away from the city. I can take some time off. I've got some coming, you know. A ride? Yeah, we could do that. Go somewhere far away. It's a big country, you know. Jerry, they're waiting to butcher you. I know. And you're going to go. And I'm going to go. But why? I think we have seen all the Alfred Hitchcock movies. But not all the Twilight Zones. No, not all the Twilight Zones. Why are you doing this? What else can I do? Anything, anything else. It might be fun. I'm kind of looking forward to it. You're a mess. Look at yourself. They're going to butcher you. They're going to butcher you, you fool. There was a knock at the door. He opened it to find two men in trench coats standing on the stoop. They took him to a waiting car. A few minutes later, City Hall came into view. The car stopped. The door was open for him and he was wedged between two bodyguards who pushed forward like dual icebreakers. A crowd of youths pointing at him with the surety of an executioner chanted, Death to traitors! Death to traitors! Death to traitors! They continued as he was led up the final steps and taken inside. He was made to wait outside the chamber for some time. Mr. Rigged? A man suddenly appeared from inside, propping the door open with his foot. When he stepped into the chamber, those whispering stopped. Those sitting up above in the steep balcony sat on the edge of their seats, jerking their heads for a better glimpse. Most had not seen him in the flesh. Some recoiled, as though a lion or bear were being led past. In the center of the chamber was a long table. Around it sat men and women in gray suits, with tired but ravenous eyes. As he approached, those with faces pressed to yellow tablets lifted them with casual interest, like feeding beasts. Jerry, said a man who sat directly across from him. He spoke in the most pleasant morning dove coo, wearing the gentle countenance of a philanthropist. He had, like some of the others, a little pyramid of cardboard in front of him, which read Chairman Manny F. Destiny. I trust you made it through the zoo out there without any problems. Like a knife through blubber. Fine, that's just fine. Jerry, do you know who I am? I'm fairly well acquainted with American history. Jerry, you're a smart boy. I've heard you're a real sharp whip, all right. Good. I like smart people. Jerry, let's get down to it, shall we? We've asked you to come on in, hoping you might shed some light on a few things. That's what this is all about. That's why all these people are here. Jerry, I understand your uncle, Mr. Adam Selby, owns a piece of property near downtown Columbus. This piece of property? Am I right about this, Jerry? You listen real close now and tell me if everything I say is correct. Okay, Jerry? This piece of property he agreed to sell, in good faith, to Mr. Theo Thrift, principal owner of the Bovines, for the price of $20 million. These two gentlemen came to an agreement, I note, having not actually signed the legal document, but nevertheless having reached an agreement in principle. The property is, from all indications, the only viable piece of property in the Columbus metropolitan area where a new stadium could be built. Jerry, we're here to bring out the facts. Get everything out in the open. No secrets here. In particular, we want to hear your side of the story. I'm not going to lie to you. You could be in a heap of trouble. If the facts pile up mostly on this side, then we toss this whole thing out. You're a free man. We apologize for the inconvenience we've caused you. But... If the facts pile up mostly on the other side, then it will be this committee's recommendation that you be charged with treason against the United States of America, for which the severest penalty upon conviction is death. Are you comfortable, Jerry? Paul, get him a glass of water, will you? 
Tell us, Jerry, in general terms, what you were trying to accomplish by refusing to sell your uncle's property. What was I trying to accomplish? I had other ideas for it. I couldn't sell it. It's that simple. Yes, we've heard. Can you tell us what you wanted to use the property for? Sorry, but I can't. You can't? Why can't you? I just can't. A museum? A new library? Maybe a zoo? Can't you tell us? No, I really can't. Was it something your uncle would have liked? <laughs> I don't think my uncle would have understood. Let's put it that way. A personal use, then. I wanted to use the property for something better, if that's what you mean. Paul, more water, please. Something better than a new stadium? I suppose I could have done worse, with a New York City dump site or a high-security prison for first-time marijuana users. But I had a fair amount of leeway in the don't-fuck-it-up department, I do believe. Now that's funny, because most people around here are in the opinion that you did just that. Really? Really. Okay, you win. Why, thank you, Paul. I'm serious, Jerry. I'd really like to know all about this thing you wanted to build. No can do. I just don't understand. Because I still might build it. You still might build it? Why, good for you, Jerry. You're no quitter. I like your gumption. I like your style. But I don't see how telling us will change anything. It might. How could it? I don't know. Is it something offensive? You're asking me that? Don't you understand, son, that your evasiveness makes you look guilty of something? And your persistence makes me suspicious of something. I think you're paranoid. Not me. Jerry, do you believe in right and wrong? It's a simple question. Sure. Then do you believe what you're doing is right? I do. Explain. Look, my uncle wasn't too crazy about the stadium deal to begin with. He had money trouble. He felt he had to sell. When he had an aneurysm and it became clear he wasn't going to come out of it, there was no compelling reason to sell on my part. And it was at that point you decided to use the property for this mystery purpose of yours. Oh, you know, I've been thinking about that for some time. Your uncle's situation, it could be viewed as a gift. I'm like anybody else. I have ideas. Mostly they sit around, maybe they disappear. When an opportunity comes along, I take it. Jerry, tell me about your view of the bovines. How do you feel about them? How do you feel about the new stadium? I'm trying to understand your motivation. I thought it was about the biggest waste of a billion dollars I didn't want to be a part of. I see. And why is that? Man, do you know what I could do with a billion dollars? I know there are a lot of frightened people who don't want to find out. A billion dollars. I mean, I can't even imagine what that is. Maybe to you all, that's just peanuts. Just chump change. But to someone with imagination, to someone like me, that's a sort of infinity. You have no feelings at all for the bovines and what it could mean for Columbus? It's a game. We're talking about a game here. About a group of men carrying around a ball. It's not life. It's nothing but a game. What's wrong with all of you? Have you lost your minds? Have you lost your consciences? Have you lost all connection with who got you here? Into the chamber came a man. The chamber, upon seeing this man, erupts. This man is known by every human being on the planet. He is known by many names. Beautiful physique, stylish dresser, sexy eyes, charitable heart, brilliant playmaker, shoe spokesman. He is sometimes, though far less often, known by other names. Casual drug abuser, sexual predator, deadbeat dad, high school dropout. 
His dirty names remain carefully wrapped within the good names of beautiful physique, stylish dresser, and brilliant playmaker. He is by loose definition, if not official proclamation, the modern god. He sets his dark panther eyes on the diminutive rigged. Slowly, cat-like, he slinks forward. Standing at the head of the table, he stares, glares, scowls, challenges, but then suddenly, in that little boy way of his, the scowl melts, the brow lifts, the dimples appear. The chamber is on fire with lustful adulation. Then, with casual affability, he sits on the corner of the edge of the table beside Rigged, dwarfing those around him, swinging his Italian shoe back and forth like a metronome. The others seated at the table appear dull, ordinary, and inconsequential in his presence. Jerry, some members of the panel thought we might benefit by a visit from a special guest. I believe you know Johnny Starfire, all-star, all-world wide receiver, and first pick of the Bovines in last spring's supplemental draft. How you doing, man? Doing Jim Dandy. I hear you don't like football much. Oh, I like football well enough. Me too. Football is a good game. Some folks like it better than baseball, basketball, better than anything. It's a good game. Uh, is there more? More what? Nothing, man. You know, I got a friend. He likes ping pong. Ping pong? That's a good game, too. You need good wrist control for ping pong, good eye-hand coordination. Ping pong's a good game. Yeah, well, he'll sit in his underwear Saturdays and Sundays all day long and watch it. His head goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth like this. He doesn't leave the couch. He's a ping-pong nut. That's a little strange. Yeah, well, you have to know, Robbie. I got another friend who likes women's tennis. You like women's tennis? Tennis? Yeah, tennis is a good game. I think so, too. Well, Ronnie, he likes to watch those short little skirts flip up and back. Swoosh. Just loves it when they go for a shot and grunt. And the little white skirt flips up. Swoosh. Says the whole thing's about as erotic as an NC-17 movie, if you think about it. All those white panties flashing around the court, the grunting and sweating and sprawling, rumors of locker room hanky-panky, it really gets him going. He likes women's ice skating, too. They don't grunt or sweat too much, but they make up for it in the riding up the crack department. I wonder, do you think he's a voyeur? Hmm, maybe. Yeah, well, I worry about the guy. Hey, I got another friend, Rosie. She doesn't watch TV too much. Instead, she sits in front of her computer all evening long after work chatting with strangers. She'll meet guys, get to flirting a little, and next thing you know, she's sending them her cell number and they're exchanging naked pictures of each other and having a good old time. Except they're all by themselves, of course. (laughs) Man, that Rosie. What do you like to do in your spare time? You probably don't have that much spare time with all the training you do. No, man. You know, we're always traveling, playing a game, or practicing. Yeah, I imagine with that schedule, it's hard to find time to do much of anything. But you don't even get a chance to go home. Have your mom make you a nice meal. Oh, shit. I wish. I wish, man. So, where is home, anyway? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh. I love all those bridges. The Steel City, man. Yeah, it's all right. Think of all those rivets on all those bridges. Bet there's millions of them. Think of all that steel coming out of those factories. Imagine how hot it must have been working in one of them. My dad worked in one. You don't say. 36 years. 36 years. Missed only three days of work his whole life. One of them days was when I was born. 36 years. In a steel mill. Now that's something. Your old man, you could say he helped build this country from the ground up. 
You could say his sweat made it possible for you to be who you are today. Oh, without a doubt. Most definitely. And look at you now. You, the son of a steel worker. The greatest thing since sliced bread. Bet he's proud. Doesn't miss a game. From the pages of obscurity to worldwide adulation. He still work? Oh, no, man. I saw too that. As soon as I got my shoe contract, I told him to put in his notice. He and Mom are living the good life down in Palm Beach. You're a good man. You don't forget where you come from. They're lucky to have you for a son. We're lucky to have a shoe spokesman like you. And what else do you endorse? Well, I got the Chocolate Smackies endorsement, the soda pop, the underwear, ties, the sportswear line, the jock itch, the deodorant, the mouthwash, the mutual fund, the sports cars, pizza, chicken, burgers, milk, combs, batteries, computers, tires, golf balls, gloves, beer, condoms, laxatives. Did you say laxatives? Then maybe you can help me out. You see, I have sort of a problem. I think it's stress-induced. You know, being threatened with a chair and all. It's got me a little, well, irregular. Man, I don't know nothing about that stuff. I rarely have the problem myself. My granny used to say stewed tomatoes would undo you, though. You sure you're drinking enough water? Six glasses a day, they say. I drink four. Not enough. Does pop count? Two cans of pop a day plus four glasses of water? Think that equals five glasses of water? I don't know. They say pop isn't the same as water. I don't know. You know, I've traveled around a bit myself. I love traveling. Most of the time, anyway. Actually, I've done quite a lot of it. That's where I get ideas for my poetry. You write poetry? I used to. Ever thought of getting them published? Put into a book? Nah. Here? In this country? What's the point? Yeah, true. I've met millions of people and you know what? What, man? None of them have heard of you. Yet, they know me by sight, instantly, even those I've never met. They understand who I am. They know why I'm there. They welcome me, and I'm treated with kindness and warmth. The world is on its head. The world is on its head. What is this shit? I'm out of here, man. You're real funny. You think this is one big joke, don't you? I wish it were. Jerry, do you believe in anything? I believe in sanity. I believe in what works. I don't believe in lies. Is that what you think of all this? More or less. Where do you come from? Were you dropped from a spaceship or just dropped on your head? Who do you think you are? I know exactly who I am. I'm a nobody. You, unemployed, good-for-nothing poet. Yet for some reason, which escapes me, you take a swing at everything good and honorable. That's perverse. It is what it is. Call it what you want. I see, I see. It goes zoom right over your head. You just don't get it, do you? What do you think this is, son? The stadium? People like Johnny Starfire? The citizens who come out in droves to watch these proceedings? Do you have any clue what this is all about? What's it all about? What's it all about? It's all about giving meaning to a generation who has none, isn't it? The following evening, Hector and Manny tried explaining to their wives why they had to go to Columbus immediately. Each spouse gave the same stunned expression, followed by the same tirade decrying familial abandonment, lunacy, and general worthlessness of character. 
The security they believed was being forfeited by their husband's apparent vagrancy of duty was in fact the very thing the brothers were trying to preserve. They could give no concrete plan, no guarantee of action for the upcoming days or, God forbid, weeks. Only that something was happening in that city that they needed to be a part of. Something bigger than themselves. Something each man vaguely and in his own way sensed might redeem himself personally and the nation as a whole. They were sent off not with kisses or flowers, but with raging tears and threats of divorce. They made their way down the long, monotonous stretch of I-71, talking little, mired in self-doubt. It was dusk when they reached the outskirts of the city. The skyline glowed a hazy orange. It wasn't until they approached downtown that they realized much of Columbus was on fire. 